0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear faithful, as I mentioned to those by email, to those who received the parish email each Saturday evening, I mentioned that today I would be preaching on, on modesty. As we've been noticing some problems with the standards of modesty within the parish. Perhaps it's partly because we have and blessed with many new faces, many new people, and we're very glad to have them. And they come from a difficult world where there's a lot of confusion about just how to dress and how to behave. And it takes some time to get one's bearing. We understand that. But it's not just the new new people. It's something that is even noticed at times among people who have been here a good long time. Some of each, I would say, age group, not just one category. I suppose the world tends to seep into our lives little by little, if it's never pointed out. And so, as pastor, it is, it is, a, it is a task that we are commanded to do from time to time to remind and to instruct on these important matters. Of course, there are many who make great efforts, and successfully. And that is recognized and appreciated. So, modesty, what is it? It's a certain way of dress and deportment which implements propriety by maintaining a due order in all things such as to safeguard purity. There is a definition. A certain way of dress and deportment certain way of dressing and of behaving, of carrying oneself, which implements, which puts into practice all that is proper, propriety, by maintaining a due order in all things, such as to safeguard purity. This modesty is meant to safeguard a pearl of great price, which is purity. Do order in all things. That's what we mean by modus, modesty, a certain proper mode, order. An order based on what? Based on who we are. Men are meant to dress as men and women are meant to dress as women. And if the world doesn't like to hear that, that's the world's problem. if we have in the back of our minds as we preach sermons like this the realization that one day I could be deported for saying things like this then all the clearer reason to say it needs to be said. Modesty is there to safeguard purity to order all so that a man in his appearance and his behavior reflects manhood, is ordered towards manhood, and a woman towards femininity. Four main considerations then, when it comes to modesty and bearing and dress. The first, the nature, dignity, and mission of a woman. We have to understand what that is. We have to also then, secondly, look at the nature and mission of a man. We have to thirdly consider the state of fallen human nature. And fourthly, let's add the consideration that we have man and woman with fallen human nature in a sacred space, which is the church. And therefore, the standards must be even higher than normal. I'm not going to go into in this sermon a lot of the details about the let's say concretely what to wear, what not to wear. I've sent that out to over 300 email addresses last night and there's 200 copies of it in the vestibule at the feet of Our Lady in the near where the bulletin is kept. You can look at that on your own and it is something that I noticed last night as soon as I sent it out I thought oh there's something that was missed in there when it comes to the female dress. It's not enough just to be covered, all right? If it's too tight or too form-fitting, it, it doesn't serve its purpose, which is to conceal in a beautiful way, but to conceal, not to reveal. So I've added that in the, in the printout that's in the vestibule, and it's, of course, post- posted in the parish hall. So that being said, there's so much, there are probably more details there than you cared to read, I don't have to cover those now in the sermon. I can just go to the principles for the most part so that you know why we say what we say. Why we do what we do. Firstly then, the nature, dignity, and mission of a woman. What is her mission? What is she made for? A woman's body and soul are made for motherhood. And that explains, let's say, that's the principle from which flows all the conclusions. Why should a woman be covered in this way or that way? Because her body is made for motherhood. And that is a sacred mission worthy of respect. She should respect it. And she should be able to expect that others respect it. Let's speak a little of motherhood, of a woman, of the way God made her. Comparatively delicate, but resilient almost beyond belief. Look at childbearing. Weaker in bodily strength and stamina, but what is strength of soul. Consider the sleepless nights of a woman with a newborn child. High on emotion, as well as intuition. She is tuned to pick up on her children's needs day after day, longing to be cared for, but caring in turn, often to the point of heroic folly. She's at home among the details, a multitask expert. You know, they finally found someone who does the work of 10 men, a woman. Think of the homemaker child-rearing, all the thousand details as she juggles everything at once. You don't find many kindy teachers who are male. Loyal and loving, thoughtful and nurturing, the sunshine and the heart of the home. She's a living image. She's meant to be a living image of the beauty and the mercy of God. Physically more attractive. She has a mission to use this beauty properly. It's God-given. She spreads beauty like sunlight. Decorating, cleaning, improving, rearranging, rearranging, rearranging. Covering everything in sight with lace, including nice woodwork, which I think should remain uncovered. She loves the quaint cottage, the secret garden. She likes a world in miniature. High tea with friends. That is her comfort zone. Her most sacred task, God-given. Her most sacred God-given tasks, as spouse and mother, are secret by nature. Think about it. A woman's most most sacred tasks, linked with being a spouse and a mother, are secret by nature. They're covered. They're veiled. And her body, too, is meant to be veiled. For woman is a mystery. Attractive in her simplicity and dignity. Can she be attractive? Yes, that's fine. But provocative... Immodest, showy, never. For it is a selfish act. And a woman, womanhood is a selfless mystery. Unveil a woman and her beauty loses its silver eloquence to speak of God. They speak these days of woman's liber- liberation. Liberation. Liberation from what? Liberation from what? A God-given sacred mission? Perhaps go back and reread the epistle after this sermon. And there we, we see. We see true freedom and we see true slavery. Flesh and spirit. What about the nature and mission of a man? His body and soul are made for fatherhood. Sturdy and strong, even the bone structure is different. Made for for bearing a load, but interiorly, fairly brittle. There are certain things a woman does that we could never do. We wouldn't sustain the strain. Wired to provide food and shelter and protection. And to defend the women and children. Made to lead and to fight, if necessary, even other leaders. No time to worry about appearance. Aren't you glad God made it in a way that if someone's going to lose their hair, it's the man and not the woman? When a man's commander, When a man's master becomes his mirror, there's a real problem. He builds a home, but he he cannot make one. He's too much of a rough carpenter. He fences in his castle, but he does not always live there. He's at home in the world of vast untamed nature, as well as business and politics. He's at home there. Although, of course, he loves to return to his own dwelling, where his family. Take all ruggedness out of a man, and one all but destroys him. Right, he's comparatively low in emotion, but consequently steady. That's no excuse for being a brute. But there is a certain ruggedness about a man take all ruggedness out of a man, and one all but destroys him. He becomes soft and effeminate, weak and selfish, loafing instead of leading, gaming instead of saving, sensual instead of supportive. Even his appearance changes. The way he talks, the way he walks, the way he dresses, the tight clothes, his care of hair, the rings, the bracelets, the piercings, and on and on. That's not a man. Today's world may approve such perversions, but God does not. And we see that in Deuteronomy, Sacred Scripture, chapter 22, verse 5. Quote, A woman shall not be clothed with a man's apparel, neither shall a man use a woman's apparel, for he that does these things is abominable before God. Today's world admits that it does not even know what male and female means, well, then clearly the world will get the costumes wrong. Respect, then, your own mission. Dress the part that God has conferred on you. Mothers, fathers, whether in the present or in the future, temples of the Holy Ghost. Men dress like men, women dress like ladies perhaps you find it a bit ironic as do i that i stand here today on rose sunday saying men dressed like men consider the state of fallen human nature man and woman both have a wounded nature different ways but both wounded a man tends to fall in a very e- very easily through his eyes a woman very easily through her ears A fallen man likes to look. A fallen woman likes to be seen. But see the contrast. For example, between a God-loving Susanna, which we read in the long epistle of yesterday's Mass. Look at the contrast between a God-loving, God-fearing, modest, pure-hearted Susanna and the crusty, dirty old men with no self-control, who lusted after her in the Old Testament. And you could say the same. The contrast between a a pure-hearted man and a woman who just puts on a show. Superficial. External and only external beauty. added to these considerations, then we have to say, not only do you have a sacred mission of man and woman, not only do you have a sacred mission given by God, but now you are called to live that mission in the world and then in its perfection in the church. This is the house of God. Take off your shoes. God says to Moses on Mount Sinai. In this case, not literally, but you're on sacred ground Of all places on earth to dress modestly. And in conformity with your mission, here, of all places, we must be careful, especially careful. This is sacred space. Therefore, wear the best that you have. It's not the place to relax or to be at ease or to be too casual. Dress in accord with your mission. As the priest wears his vestments at Mass. He doesn't wear the vestments everywhere, but he wears the best at Mass. Although he always dresses as a priest, as you should always dress in accord with your mission, even at home. Men in t-shirts or jeans, sports shoes, at Mass? Even golf courses and fine restaurants ask more propriety than that. Step out of the mundane. Be clean cut and formal. For this is the house of God. The portal of heaven. Women. Dress with simplicity. Modesty. Dignity. Beautiful in God's sight. Remember you dress for him. That's why you wear your veil. You do your hair and then you cover it. But you face your God who sees. Beautiful in God's sight, reflecting his beauty, but not distracting by any misuse of your own. Does it make sense to cover your head, but bare your shoulders? Or to cover your head, but highlight your form with tight-fitting garments? Makes no sense. It doesn't mean that there was always grave ill will there. But it makes no sense. In conclusion then, this is more than just about a dress code. If it was only a dress code, it would only apply here. But in fact, it applies in all its essentials at home and at work. You have a mission, and that does not essentially change with where you happen to be or what age you happen to have. Respect your God-given mission. Fulfill your God-given mission. And please wear your very best for the house of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.